cool? I mean, I know it's very small numbers and it's not the same, but isn't it cool just to kind of be back together again? Like, this has totally made my week. You know, some of you have been sending me those gifts, or they call gifs, I never know which, but they sent me that thing where like the guy's dancing down the aisle the next time he comes back to the church because he's finally back at church again. And I literally, I've been feeling that way all week long. It's just so good to be back with everybody. And we are doing it very conservatively. So next weekend, we will now offer a live pre-registration for up to 50 people. You can go to mercyroad.cc or check the comments in the Facebook service right now or at mercyroad.tv. And you can register right now and it'll be 50 people per service as we work towards the 100 people is the goal uh, the week after that as social gatherings are able to be larger. So be praying for us in all of that. We've got hand sanitizer like everywhere in this room right now, and we're trying to do our best to honor everything. In fact, if you're here live in the services, we're only going to exit through one way today. This door, it's going to be a little different than normal just to honor the social distancing stuff. So that said, if you have a Bible powered on, or turn in the one that you brought with you or you have in your home to Acts chapter 16. As you're ch- turning to Acts chapter 16, you might notice uh, in the distance here, Pastor Kathy uh, back here. She's going to be following your comments online, and we are live today, so I will be stopping about halfway through the message and responding to those questions. So I've asked her to collect those, and I'm going to do my best to respond. I've got a short time to do it, so she's going to select the best couple of questions. So, But that said, you know, I'm talking about how exciting it is to be back together. It brought some joy to me this week of just knowing, like, I'm going to get to see people again and not preach to an empty room. But I don't want to make light of some of what people are going through in our culture today. If we're honest, this has been really hard for many people, maybe some of you here, many of you attending online from different parts of the world. You know, for many of you, you have lost income because of the COVID-19 crisis. Some of you have dealt with the disease or have battled other sicknesses while that disease is going on. Some of you have lost loved ones, done funerals from a distance. Some of you have gotten married in a very different way because of the circumstances that surround us. Some of you are uncertain when you're going to be able to go back to work. And here in the Midwest, in Indiana, we have uh, started back to work very slowly. But in different parts of the country, that's not happening for many months. In different parts of the world, you know, you're experiencing something different. So I don't want to make light of what you're doing. What we're going through as humanity is a very difficult thing. It's hard for many different reasons. And I want to address through looking at the calling of the Apostle Paul to the province of Macedonia, what it's like when God gives you a detour. Because we've had a pretty big detour this year. Would you agree? And in this passage we're going to look at, God's going to do something different in Paul's life that's going to cause him to have a completely different life experience than he had planned or he thought he was going to have. And so whether you've lost a job or you feel isolated or depressed and you feel like you're in despair, I want to talk about, not to make light of that, but how you can find joy even in despair, biblically speaking. And so I told you to turn to Acts chapter 16. Are you ready to study God's word together, church? Come on, uh, those online, get ready, baby, because, you know, the truth is, uh, as we were prepping for 2020, a lot of us had some good plans. In fact, there were many churches across the country that did really cool things, talking about Vision 2020 and how we have vision for the year. I don't think anybody had in their Vision 2020 plan what we have faced this year. 
And so how do we deal with changed circumstances? You see, in Acts chapter 16, if you're just joining us and you've missed the, the first three messages of the Underground Jesus teaching series, if it wasn't clear to you, last week Mother's Day was a one-off hiatus to talk just to, to moms and to women across the country. But this week we're picking up, picking up week four of the Underground Jesus teaching series. So for the first week we talked about leading a fully surrendered life to Jesus. The second week we talked about the Holy Spirit, how it was given to us as Christians to live on mission, that you have an advocate for you. And then the week, two weeks ago, I preached on Acts chapter 11, how things changed dramatically, right? Like Peter had kind of been leading the church in Jerusalem with the other uh, 10 disciples, and then all of a sudden Paul's on the scene, and, and the city of Antioch becomes home base, and the gospel's about to spread all over the Roman Empire. Things changed in that moment. But by the time we get to Acts chapter 16, I don't want to just talk about like we did that week, how we need to be the church that God wants us to be today, not the church that it wanted us to be uh, a year ago or the church God wants us to be 10 years from now, the church he wants us to be today. But I want to talk and pick up where we left off. If you remember, I shared about that God sometimes can use evil for good. What the enemy meant to use for evil, God could use for good, including the pandemic that we find ourselves surrounded in. And as I talk about silver linings, it may feel like a self-help message this morning. That's my, my heart and desire. What I want to talk about is the perspective of the early disciples and the Apostle Paul in particular and how it brought joy to his life to have the type of perspective that he had. And so by Acts chapter 16 now, he's on one of his missionary journeys. He'll make three of them. And he's been preaching uh, to these particular province, and he's about to leave that, and he thinks he's going to go to Greece. But look what it says here, Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. Basically, it says that the Apostle Paul was preaching in a town you've never heard of, and he thought he was going to go to a city you've never heard of, but instead he went to a different town you've never heard of, and then God's going to call him to go to a place you've never heard of. But I want to show you, I actually have a map of the area that we're describing here in this passage, and this map will show you a little bit of where Paul traveled during this time. If you can see that, it's probably on a little picture for those at home. Uh, you can see that he left Antioch and went through these places in Galatia and ends up in Mysia and Troas. And he thinks he's going to go from Troas there and Mysia, that area, to Greece or Athens. Makes sense. Athens, kind of the intellectual center. Little nice little jaunt on a little scenic boat ride through the Aegean Sea. And instead, God's going to have him go up through the area of Macedonia and his first stop will be in the city of Philippi. Look what it says. Verse 9, during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia, standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got up, uh, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God has called us to preach the gospel to them. So they take the long way around the Aegean Sea on land, stopping in the city of Philippi because God had called them in a dream to go through Macedonia. Now, you may not think that's a significant deal, but that really delayed his efforts. He had had a plan for what he was going to do, and God was changing that plan through a vision. He was calling him to Macedonia. Now, it's not a direct correlation to what we're facing today, but I think some of us came into 2020 with some great plans to go to Greece. And instead, God has taken us the long way around 
through pain and hardship, through the land of Macedonia, ending up in the city of Philippi. And I think you're going to see through what we share today that that ends up being one of the greatest experiences of Paul's life. Didn't make it easier, it made it harder. But it ends up being one of the things he's going to write with pure joy about. See, it ends up that in Philippi, he's going to lead some people to the Lord. And this woman named Lydia, a wealthy uh, purple cloth maker, a businesswoman in town, is going to receive Christ as her Savior, receive the Holy Spirit, start a church there in her home, and the good news is going to spread there in Philippi. And Paul's going to get in trouble for it like he does every other place. It didn't make his life easier. It made it harder. But Philippi ends up being the place, the church, that he writes with great joy about. And we're going to look at it in Philippians chapter 1 here in just a moment. Philippi will be Paul's community, his unexpected community, by the way, when he needs it the most. If you're struggling today and you're wondering where God is and you're moving towards despair and you're turning towards escape of alcohol or drugs, sexual intimacy, lust, I would encourage you that God's unexpected community might instead lead you to the real joy, the pure joy that you and I need during this time. That's what I'd love to discuss. Will you pray with me? God, uh, just thank you for everybody attending from uh, different parts of the country or the world right now. We want to honor that, God. We pray that your Holy Spirit speak to them uniquely in their context, God. We can't envision all that, but you can. For us gathered in this space here and in the coming weeks, God, we pray that you would utilize us. It felt so good just to be worshiping socially distant with each other. God, we just put you at the center of everything we do. We welcome your Holy Spirit into our, our building, into our homes, into our apartments, outdoors with us today. We surrender this time to us. You speak to us, God. Help us to learn how to fully follow you. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said, amen, amen. I told you it's been an unexpected year. You knew what you wanted, and yet God has given us a long trip through Macedonia. Are you tracking with what the analogy I'm making here? And what I want to share with you is to help you understand the perspective I believe that could change your and I's perception of what God's doing in the world around us. And rather than turning to despair that is so easy, we could actually look different. I believe that what the difference between joy and despair is somewhat a matter of perspective. Let me, let me show you what I mean. So the Apostle Paul, after that missionary journey, he'll eventually end up back in Jerusalem. You know what happens when he's finally getting home and things should be going back to normal? In uh, Acts chapter 21, he gets to Jerusalem, and right before he gets there, this prophet Agabus tells him, he puts chains on, on his wrist, he says, you're going to go there and you're going to be imprisoned. <laughs> finally made it back home, oh, you're going to prison. And then when he gets there, everybody's going to want to kill him, and then he'll, you know, get to this other guy, Felix, and then he'll appeal to Caesar, and then he will be writing letters to the churches he's helped start around, around the Roman Empire from a prison cell and eventually on house arrest in Rome. That's the remainder of Paul's life. How are you supposed to have pure joy? That looks like pure despair to me. Am I right? I mean, if you look at the world around us right now, there is a lot of despair to see. There are people who are hurting badly, like I described earlier. And let me just, for a little fun here, let's think of something that we all can identify with. Uh, remember when you could go to the grocery store and you could literally buy whatever you wanted? You remember that? That was fun, wasn't it? And you could buy as much of it as you wanted? And you would ask yourself, I'm going to go to the store today. I'd like to get some bananas. And you didn't go, I wonder if they're going to have bananas. 
You knew they were going to have bananas. And then you would get through the aisle and you would look down the paper towel in the toilet paper aisle. And there were so many different versions of Charmin, you didn't know what to do with it. But did you go home and go, man, that was really great. So many different uh, variations of toilet paper for me to purchase for my family. I feel appreciation for the things that I have in this world around me. <laughs> no, right? And yeah, I want to tell you, I think I got a picture of this. Uh, I saw, I'm not going to mention the man's name. He, he attends our church. He stood in the toilet paper aisle and uh, snapped this photo just this week. Looked like that. And he, with the caption, have you ever seen a grown man cry? Because all of a sudden, something we didn't have an appreciation for just a few months ago, you could literally be moved to tears over. You know, some people that we have seen that did get the virus and went through some very hard times have a renewed appreciation for the life that they have. It doesn't make light of what they went through. Do you agree with that? It doesn't make light that it stinks that we don't have all the things we would like in our grocery stores. But the perspective of it is that you can find joy even in the middle of despair because you see the provision and the appreciation for the things that you, no long, you used to not appreciate or be thankful for. Some of you have become increasingly thankful for your circle of friends in your life or your roommates or your, your spouse or your kids. Even though it brought some hard times, you also can see an appreciation for the value of the things in this life that really matter around us. See, because of the Apostle Paul experiences, let me show you in Philippians chapter 1 uh, what I'm talking about. In verse 1, it, he writes to this church in Philippi later on house arrest and Paul, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi together with the overseers and deacons. He says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to read this quickly because I'm going to recap it here in a moment. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with despair because life is hard and I'm on house arrest. Look, look at it again. Look at it again. Verse 4. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus, regardless if there's toilet paper in aisle 12, right? I'll get that out. See, I believe that God is carrying on to completion in the circumstances that we're faced today what he knew was always gonna happen in your life and how we perceive that, how we respond to that, in the middle of despair, matters. Verse eight, God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Verse nine, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So this roundabout way this delayed action that God calls Paul to go to Macedonia ends up being the church that he writes to with pure joy. He didn't talk about that with every church, by the way. You go read like 1st and 2nd Corinthians. 
Paul wasn't as big a fan of the church in Corinth and the things that were happening, but he always wrote with pure joy because they took care of him. They were the ones reaching out to him when he was on house arrest and in prison in Rome. They were sending him his necessities for him to survive. He had found a partner in the gospel community during a difficult time in an unexpected way that God had called him. And he writes with pure joy, regardless of the hardship that they're enduring together. And it didn't make the, the church in Philippi, didn't make their life easier either. They now had to live in fear as well because of their faith. What if the year of COVID was actually our Macedonia? To say, okay, God, in the middle of all of this, the spiritual climate has changed. What if we began to look what the enemy meant for evil you could use for good, not only in my life, but in the lives of those in the sphere of influence around me? And I'm going to give you some examples today of how people are doing that very thing right now. In fact, uh, I believe that you're going to find that one of the most important things you need during a time like this is the community that unexpectedly God could provide. Paul is in a prison cell in Rome. He can't be, or he was doing like extreme social distancing. And yet through letters, he has this community and they're still provided for. For some of you, you may not be able to attend services with us for a, a long period of time. You know, you may be in that people group that is highly susceptible to the virus and you wisely need to be concerned for that. And we want you to know we love you. We care for you. We are here from you. We are community. You may think, well, uh, Zoom calls and Facebook Live and MercyRoad.tv is not the same. Well, it may not be, but one of the things we could still do is be the community for one another when we need it the most. Would you agree? And so if community is the thing that reminds us of how to find joy in the middle of despair, which is the point I believe we can see through the Apostle Paul in his missionary journeys in the church he planted in Philippi in the letter he writes to that church, I want to share with you very quickly, if you're taking notes, how to find community that brings you the joy of Christ. How to find community that brings you the joy of Christ. Number one, you got to find a partner. You got to find a partner. Some of you are like, I've been looking, I've been looking a long time, I can't find it. it I'm not talking about romantic partner, all right? Th that had nothing to do with romantic partner. I'm talking about spiritual partnership. Paul wasn't writing the church in Philippi and saying, I'm so thankful for your romantic partnership in the gospel. Look what it said here again in verses three to six. I thank by God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Here's why he had joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, and I'm confident he's going to see it on to completion, he says. That that partnership, that community that you have with other believers during a time, even if you're in different parts of the country or world, that you can get those online. We now have, I think it's almost like 48 or 49 outposts, many of them, most of them online that you can participate in. Those are the long-term community of our church, family on mission, spiritual family. That's what it's meant to be. And so to find that is incredibly important. See, some of us, we, we have done the, what we talked about the first three weeks. We've found, like, completely surrendered our life to Jesus. We've received the Holy Spirit in our life. We've joined a, a local church by attending and participating online or coming to a live service like this. But if we're really honest, the hard part is entering into community. Because humans are sinful people and broken people. And that's a lot harder than just attending a service. I would argue that you can see through the Apostle Paul's missionary journeys and through the letter to the church in Philippi, the community aspect of the local church might be the most important aspect for you during this season. To find people that you can partner with in the gospel. 
Some of us have found purpose in Christ. Some of us have purpose, but we got no partner. We got no partner to face this with. And again, don't hear romantic partner. That is not Paul's point in this. In fact, if you go all the way back to the, the Garden of Eden, the Adam walks with God. He has perfect harmony with Almighty God. He's with him in paradise. Everything is around him. He can do whatever he wants. He names the animals. No one's judging him. Nobody's gossiping about him. I mean, if you look at it, he literally walks naked. He doesn't care what the world says. And he still says, I'm essentially kind of lonely. And God says, it's not good for man or humans to be alone. And again, he's not, he didn't say it's not good for them not to have a romantic partner. He says it's not good for them to be alone, to have community and partnership for us today in the gospel. That's what our outposts are for. You're not meant to struggle alone. It's when we need community the most that we tend to avoid at all costs, by the way, because we don't want to be honest and vulnerable about the things going on our lives. But we are called to live differently. Your struggle with loneliness or depression, your struggle with anxiety, job stress, marriage, kids, school, don't do it alone. Be like Paul, even socially distant, finding community in the ways that the Lord has provided him to do. Number one, find a the joy of Christ in community by finding a partner. Number two, uh, share his grace with each other. Share his grace with each other. Look what he does in verse 7 eight. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart and whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. The word charis, the Greek word, it means the undeserved favor of God. He's like, you all share in the undeserved favor of God with me, the forgiveness and grace and mercy of God. God can testify how I long for you, verse 8, for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. He longed for all of them with the affection of Christ Jesus. What did the affection of Christ Jesus look like? Did it look like I'm going to love and I'm going to show grace to all people who believe like me? Right? I'm going to show grace, the undeserved favor of God, to all people who vote like me. I'm going to show grace to all people who believe the thing, same things I believe about the pandemic. I'm going to show grace to all people that share all of my socially responsible viewpoints or non-socially responsible viewpoints. See, one of the things that I've noticed, maybe this is just me, but like, well, I've had this joy this week knowing I was going to get to see you on. I'm not making that up. It like it really changed my week. And, and just getting here to worship, you know, it's just something about worshiping together. Just, it's, it's really cool, isn't it? And I'm just realizing even this morning, I'm missing that. But don't hear for a second that God can't show grace and minister to everyone around the world, regardless if you're in this building. Because one of the things I see right now in our culture, not just here locally, but in other parts of the country, those attending on the West Coast or different parts of the world, there is a growing, how can I say this, frustration, and that's putting it politely. There is a growing animosity or implosion of hatred in our culture. And all you got to do is look at Facebook or social media, and you can find the people that are just wrong. You ever find those people? They're wrong. And I've noticed this, it's kind of hit a point where people are getting overwhelmed and tensions are high and there's a lot of like quick reactions and proving why I'm right and you're wrong. And, and, and then you may be right and they may be wrong. I know I'm right and you're wrong, but like, let's not get into it. For many of us, we know these things and yet Paul says, live with grace and affection for one another. 
And I can't imagine that everybody in Philippi had the same exact viewpoints on every issue that Paul had. I'm sure if you look at the life of Jesus, what did he say to do to your enemies? He said, love your enemies. Think about that for a second. You want to find community that brings joy? You got to love your enemies. You got to show grace. He says, love your enemies and, and pray for those who persecute you. Isn't that interesting? And, and I was just feeling like this tension boiling over and, and we are imploding with hatred rather than, as I'll say here in a moment, overflowing with a love like we should be, like the Christian community should be known for. And you see people that are posting dumb things online because they follow dumb people and they're a dumb person for following the dumb people, listening to the dumb statistics and the dumb whatever, right? And you can very quickly put yourself, and I want to encourage you uh, that each of us as the followers of Jesus, we should be known for showing grace and mercy to one another. Stand up for what you believe. Absolutely. It's not whether you're right or wrong. It's how you have the discussion that matters. And if you want to find real community that brings joy, be the person that's known for sharing grace. And number three, abounding in love, overflowing with the love of God. That we as Christians would be known for that. The church in Philippi, it's like, man, he just writes to them with pure joy. And you just get the sense, like the church in Philippi, there was just the love of Christ there that they were demonstrating. And it was overflowing into his life, which then caused him to overflow into other people's life. And I know it's hard to do that sometimes. And I'm not making light of anything in our strong uh, opinions in our culture. But what does it look like, number three, to find community that brings joy, uh, the joy of Christ, to abound in love? Look at verse 9 with me. And this is my prayer, that you may get all of the right answers and the other people may know you're right and that they are wrong. He says, no, this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Knowledge and depth of insight is good, but it's talking about abounding in love first. Verse 10, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. The world needs our overflowing of love, not our imploding of hatred. I know we agree on that if we agree on anything. And I just encourage you at home right now, if you feel like God is distant, he is not. He is near to you. But you may need Christian community to walk alongside you and remember, remind you of the joy of Christ as we share love with one another and grace with one another and we partner together in the mission of Jesus that we're on here on purpose, but we need a partner. We need a community to join with. And you may not realize this, but some of it, uh, you only see maybe those people that are kind of imploding on social media. I want to share with you some hope, some love, some stories of joy. Do you realize because of your generosity of everybody attending church today, your generosity and the generosity of the people that will be in our services, we were able to give tens of thousands of dollars worth of food to eight different uh, pantries for people in need that were running out of food items. Three more additional pantries, one outpost in our church is continuing to resource their needs. And and all of the the food that was given away, we had a number of outposts partner with each pantry to bring the food there and let them know we're there with them and partnering with them and how we continue to help in the future. Thank you to so many who have given generously to the COVID-19 response fund you know, and I just got to say, I didn't plan this, but Tom Cheatham's in the service. This was not my idea. This wasn't even Pastor's Greg's idea. This was Tom's idea. And Tom's not looking for the credit for that, but he came to us and shared this need. And we're like, man, 
we've been looking, we cut our budget in certain areas so that we could give more resources to the community, and then we get to actually do that, and then you gave, gave gener- generously above and beyond that so we could love that way. And I, I've got a picture, I think, of uh, just one of those pantries. We pa- partnered with Dotted Line Divas, actually, at our Northwest uh, Church uh, building, and you can see, look at the line of cars there. They're just kicking off. I think they serve just at that one location, 135 families. Now, you may not know this, we also partner with many mission partners. I believe it's about $12,000 a year goes to Dotted Line Divas to help fund hygiene items for people in need. They, they partner with 50 to 100 families ongoing every month. They had 135 families there yesterday that all got tons of uh, food and hygiene items and things that they could need during a time where we're all uh, hitting hard times and for people really in need. That pantry happens once a month. Think of that, 135 people. How many people does that represent? Hundreds of people just at that one pantry because people chose to give generously out of the love. That's what it looks like. The church in Philippi, by the way, was known for that. That's why he writes with pure joy because they're not infighting and they're not talking about how the church in Corinth is dealing with all this infighting within the church. Philippi wasn't like that. The love was abounding. It was pouring out into other communities and it was resourcing the mission of Jesus all over the Roman Empire. I believe that what you see in Acts chapter 16 could be a great visionary message for me and you today. Look at it again, Acts 16, verses 9 to 10. As the band is coming up, I want to show this to you. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia, remember? Standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Uh, Now, first time I mentioned that he had this vision, but he didn't mention uh, that, I didn't mention that he said, help us, help us. And I just realized, uh, Kathy, you've been up here, and I I missed my spot to answer your questions. So stick around after the last song of worship. You're going to get to hear some great responses. It'll probably be way better now, way better. But, uh, Kathy, thanks for still collecting those, because I'm going to make sure and address them. But this man of Macedonia, why were they called in the first place to go to Philippi? To help them. To help them. That was the whole point. And that God may be sending us through a hard time. The Christian response is, what if God wants to use this time to use us to help people who are in despair and hurting, to bring the joy of Christian community, not make light of despair, but to say in the middle of despair, we can find hope. We can be there for one another. And those people who have gone through really hard things, I heard the story of someone who had the virus and they were talking about how much it meant when someone just watched their dog for them for a couple of weeks while they went to the hospital and were back and forth. Those, our perspective changes and the simple acts you may do for the people in your sphere of influence, your physical neighbors, your relational neighbors, your coworkers, who are, you know, those who are e-learning at home right now, you can make a huge impact by just showing them the love of Christ during this time. See, Christina uh, Huffine's story, the person who started, uh, and, and band could go ahead and come on back out. Band, come on back out. Uh, Christina Huffine's, if you... Uh, know her, she started Dotted Line Divas, the ministry that I showed the picture of. She was somebody, when we were two years old as a church, uh, had given her life to Christ and began to grow in her faith. 
felt the love of Christ from other believers and wanted to show that to people in her community. And so she started this ministry called Dotted Line Divas where she had a pantry that she just opened up in her home and people would come in and take hygiene items and she would replenish it through extreme couponing. And she'd say, if you want to leave a, a few dollars, I'll go back and get some more stuff. And that began to grow and it became its own 501c3. And just within the last couple of weeks, they've been on multiple TV stations and even a nationally produced segment demonstrating the difference that God is using Christina and her team her board to, to do, and all the volunteers that help them, simply by responding to the love that she received and uh, sharing that abounding in love with others. The underground movement of Jesus is recalibrating our response to COVID-19. This is an opportunity, guys. This is an opportunity for the adventure of partnering to share grace and love with the world that desperately needs it. You know what used to be boring? Going to the grocery store. It's an adventure now. You don't know what you're going to see when you go in there. If your perspective changes, spiritually speaking, the climate is strong for revitalization of the followers of Jesus to unite for those who are attending who aren't a Christian to experience the good news of Jesus Christ and to love him. We as Christians must recalibrate to prioritize them as missionaries, not as self-centered followers of Jesus. And I would encourage you today that when that movement recalibrates and we join with God in that adventure, some of Paul's greatest stories is what happened in Philippi. It gets written in letter. It's written down in the book of Acts. It's, it's funding and supplying the needs when he's in prison. It's what enables him to write all of his letters all over the Roman Empire. He had to change and say, God's got me on a new adventure. I had to go through Macedonia and God brought me to help people and now they're helping me back. And that's the way the underground movement of Jesus works. Amen. And I just want to encourage you, if you're at home right now and you have never given your life fully to Jesus Christ, you have not trusted in the greater movement of Christ because you've seen hurt and sin and pain and despair around you, take a chance. Try Christian community. Find the joy of Christ in community. Right now, click a link and get into an outpost. Sign up. We've got almost 50 of them going now. All, some of them, we have people joining from California and Michigan and other places, joining outposts already. Maybe God is calling you to take a risk to join that unexpected community and see how he's going to use you to help people rather than just to live in despair but to experience the joy of Christ. Will you pray with me? God, we love you. So good to be back. And I just pray, Jesus, that you would speak right to our souls on this particular issue, that we would be unafraid to join Christian community, to reach out, to be honest, to not live in isolation, to join with one another and that you might use this season that seems like a really rough one, this detour through Macedonia, that you might use it to bring joy to our lives. What the enemy meant for evil, you could use for good. And so if you're here and you're attending right now and you have never fully surrendered your life to Jesus, you've never trusted him in that way, you wonder what's going to happen and when you die, I want to give you the opportunity to believe and receive the grace of Jesus, to be forgiven for any mistakes to repent of your wrongdoing and join with him in his good news in the world. If that's you, pray this silently as I pray it out loud. God, I confess I am not perfect. Forgive me for my wrongdoing. I believe and receive your forgiveness and grace. I repent of anything in my life that's not of you, and I surrender my full life to you, Lord Jesus. Bring joy and despair. Love you, God. I give you this time and my life. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's family said, Amen.